All right, church, good morning. Wow, it is a, it is a great day uh, to be the house of the Lord, amen? Gage, I'm going to get you to turn me down just a hair, buddy. I'm going to have to turn my hearing aids on if I'm not careful. Uh, I asked him about a month ago if she would sing that song. I think most of us, or maybe a lot of us, have heard that song, amen? And, you know, I, I don't know that it moved you. I, I know that it moved me, amen? And, you know, when you hear songs like that and you're lost, I, man, I'd be running to the altar, amen? You know, we come into church this morning and, Jace comes up to us and he tells us that he got saved. Amen. Amen. And, and then we have a great time of, of worship and singing and, and, and praising our Lord. What, what a great day that it has already been. But I, I have to read these words to you. He makes a way, and this, they had to write this song in Kentucky, <laughs> where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong. His grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. You know, the Christians at Colossae had never met the Apostle Paul face-to-face, the Bible says. But that did not stop him from telling them all about their Jesus. And even though they had already given their lives to Jesus, they had already professed him as their Savior, Paul knew, just like I know today, Paul knew that there were empty philosophies Paul knew that there were heresies and traditions of men that still existed throughout the city of Colossae. So Paul writes this letter to the Christians at Colossae. And this is where your scripture is coming from today, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. And so he writes this, this letter to them at Colossae, explaining to them what Jesus had done, who Jesus is, and the reconciliation and the peace that all Christians experience through Jesus' blood that he shed on the cross. And Jesus had changed Paul's life. Amen? We're talking about the man that had been a Christian terrorist. We're talking about a man that condemned Christians to death. We're talking about a man that he exclaimed to Timothy. He said, I was the worst of all sinners. And then all of a sudden on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells him all about him. Amen. And it changed his what? And it changed his life. And here's the thing with Paul, because Jesus changed his life. Paul wanted to tell everybody how Jesus could change their life. He wanted them to experience the same thing that he had experienced. Now listen, there may be some of you here today that Jesus hasn't changed your life. 
Maybe there's some of you here today that you, you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. So you don't completely understand what we're talking about. Maybe there's some of you here today that you gave your life to Jesus within the past year, the last five years, 25 years. Maybe there's some of you in here today that Jesus changed your life, but you're not quite living like it anymore. Amen. And you need to be reminded about who he is. You need to be reminded about what he's done. You need to be reminded about the peace that you have in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you something real quickly. Has Jesus changed your life? Has Jesus changed your life? Do you understand who he is? Do you understand what he's done? Do you understand the cost that he paid for each and every one of us to have a new life? I want to ask you something else before we read this scripture. Are you telling others about Jesus? Are you telling others about Jesus? You know, we as people, we have this way that when we enjoy something, we tell what? We tell others when we have fun, when the cats win on Saturday night and beat Mississippi State, we can't wait to get to church and say, oh, South Carolina was a fluke. Amen? <laughs> right? You Tennessee fans out there, Lord, praise you. They're going to get saved one of these days, Father. Right? You know, listen, y'all all, y'all happy that you beat Alabama yesterday, first time in 45 years. You're happy that you finally beat Alabama, and you cannot wait to tell others about what they did. Church, shouldn't we feel that way about Jesus, though? Come on. And for some reason, we get saved, and we know it's there, and we know it's inside of us, but something reluctantly keeps us from telling other people about our what? About our Jesus. I want you to listen to what Paul said to the church at Colossae. Listen to these, chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. And again, he's... he's He's writing these words to a church, right? That had already given their lives to Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or, or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. Let's pray. Father, your word tells us you made a way. And there ain't no sinner. Lord, that you can't save. Let us tell others about Jesus. 
Father, Lord, forgive us. There's a lot of things in this world that take our attention. There's a lot of things in this world that we think is important. There's a lot of things in this world that we value. A lot of things in this world that we give a lot of time and effort to, Father. But are we telling others about you, Lord? Are we praising you, Lord? Do we truly understand who you are and the price that you paid? Father, we are so trivial, Lord. We like to fuss, and, and Father, we like to fight. We like to bicker. But Father, everyone that's here today in Christ, we have a responsibility to tell people about you and, Lord, what you've done and how you have changed our lives. So, Father, I pray this morning if there's someone here that's never received Jesus, Lord, change a life today. Father, if there's a Christian that's been struggling with their faith and they've been falling away, Lord, remind them of the strength that they have within you today, God. Lord, let today be a new day for every single one of us. It's in the name of Jesus we do pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. In the book, Share Jesus Without Fear, it's in my office, by the way. If you ever want to read it, just stop by. I've got a couple copies of it. And Share Jesus Without Fear, Bill Fay, the author, he speaks very bluntly about the sin of silence. He states that believers sin when they remain silent and do not share Jesus with others. He says that the sin of silence is a deadly sin. I believe he's right. We erroneously think that by remaining silent about our faith in Jesus, we are taking a neutral position. Let me ask you, how many, how many Christians feel that way? I wonder how many of us really feel that way. Well, I know I'm saved. I know Christ lives within me and the Holy Spirit has sealed me. But I don't want to be that one Jesus freak. I don't want to be that one that at the office when they see me, well, I'm going to avoid him because some way today he's going to try to tell me about Jesus. I don't want to be that one at Thanksgiving and Christmas that don't get that invite because they know that I'm going to want to pray. Or they know that I'm going to be somebody that says, man, let me tell you how Jesus changed my life. Let me tell you how, how much that I have to be thankful for this year. I wonder how many times we Christians, we like to take that neutral position. Well, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the deacon. I'm not the door greeter. I'm not the Sunday school teacher. I'm not the committee member. I'm not the charismatic member. I'm just part of the church. 
And so we get in our mind, look, I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm, I'm not the one whose name is on the wall. I'm not, I'm not the lead pastor or the youth pastor or the minister to music. I, I, I'm just the common Christian folk. And so we, we get in our minds, look, you're like, Pastor, don't you realize we live in a world today that Christianity is becoming the minority. And so we don't want people to look at us in a weird way. We don't want people to think that we are the bigots and the outcasts and those that are being looked Look down upon. Well, I've got news for us, church. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? Paul told Timothy, he said, if you want to live the life of a Christian, you will be persecuted. Not that you might be, but that you will be. Church, it's okay to be different. Amen. It's okay for somebody to look at us and say, well, that's that Christian. I'm not going to talk to him, or I'm not going to invite him, or I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. Listen, Jesus didn't call you to fit in. Amen? Jesus told you, he said, I want you to pick up your cross, and I want you to do what? I want you to follow me. I don't want you to follow the world. He said, I want you to follow me. And part of the problem with our Christianity today is I'm starting to feel we are more uh, starting to be envisioned about following the world than we are about following Jesus. How important do you believe it is that we Christians tell others about Jesus? I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, do you think it's a 3 is it a five? Is it a nine? Or is it a ten? I mean, I don't know about you all, but I oftentimes I have these, these in, this vision in my mind that when I get to heaven and I get to meet Jesus, and Jesus looks at us hopefully and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I oftentimes, I, I wonder to myself, would Jesus ever look at me and say, why didn't you tell him about Jesus? Why didn't you tell him about me? Why didn't you tell her about me? Why didn't you share with that child about me? Why didn't you share with that teenager about me? Paul lived to tell others about Jesus after his conversion to Christianity. And I believe as a Christian, it's our responsibility to tell others about Jesus. So this morning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you four points that you can share about Jesus to others that can help educate others on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And this is in your outline. Get your pencil ready, sharpen it up, pen ready, crayon, whatever you got. Let's make sure that we get this down this morning. Number one is this. Jesus rescued us from darkness and he made us children of the what? Of the light. Jesus rescued you. See, when Paul says that Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness and that he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, what is Paul saying? Well, Paul is explaining to the Christians at Colossae, and these are in your outlines this morning. I want you to write these down. These are your little subnotes. One is this. We are all born what? Sinners. Write this down, church. I learn by writing stuff down. Amen. Write this down, because when you write it down, it means something to you. We're all 
born sinners. Brother Donnie, what in the world are you talking about? I woke up this morning and I felt fine. Hallelujah. I got a good job. I ain't never been saved. I don't need Jesus. I got a good, I got a good relationship. Everything's going my way. I got everything that I need in life. I, 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 I'm fruitful. I've got everything that I want. I got a Tesla in the garage with a supercharger. Amen. I got money in the bank. My retirement is great. Well, I'd like to know which one you got because mine's negative 24% for the year. Romans 3.23, the Bible tells us that we are all born what? You're born a sinner. Has anybody ever told you that you were born a sinner? You are born a sinner. That means we have been separated from who? That means we've been separated from God. Well, Brother Donnie, you, so what are you, what are you telling me? That, that even children are born sinners. The Bible says that we all are born sinners. Now, I do believe in an age of accountability. I do believe in that. Yes, I do. But what I am telling you is this. When you reach that age of accountability, whatever it is for every individual, when you reach that age of accountability and you have heard the gospel, amen, and you know who Jesus is, you have heard what Jesus has done, you have, you've, you've heard the gospel, and you say, I don't need it, I don't believe it. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope and pray you change your mind, amen? Because we're all born sinners. Second thing is this, we all need a what? We all need a Savior. Paul knew who these people used to be, a Colossae. Paul knew that they were people that had been filled with heresy, they had been filled with deception, they had been filled with man-made philosophies. He knew that they had been pagans. Now, non-Christians, they may ask, Donnie, what in the world do I need saving from? Well, here's the truth. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, then you're not going to believe that you need saving from anything. You're going to feel like, well, I'm fine, I'm okay. And so when we refuse to believe in Christ, we place our worship elsewhere. We worship ourselves. We worship idols. We worship money. We worship materialism. We worship power. We worship control. And we think to ourselves, well, life is good and life is dandy. But let's not forget this. These are the same things that Satan tried diligently to get Jesus to worship. And Jesus told him these words. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We need a Savior. The third is this, through faith in Christ, our present and our future has what? Changed. Let my Jesus change your what? Let him change your life. This means that Christ has sovereign rule over our hearts. Before Christ, our hearts were filled with what? Worldly desires, right? We chased after the things of this world before Jesus Christ came into our lives. We chased popularity, money, wealth from one relationship to the next. But then Jesus came into our life, and the Bible says that He recreated us. 
that He formed us into a new creation and our hearts are focused on His will and not our what? And not our will. It also means this. Guess what? We have a new family. Amen? You got a brand new family, the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints and are of God's household. Now, I know that there's some Gaither followers in here. Amen. I just saw half the church head pop up. It's like walking out the front door trying to scare the deer off my lawn, eating my new grass seed. I'm like, boy, I'm telling you what, gun season's coming close. You better eat it now. Amen. Brother Jim done cleaned my gun, got me some shells. Where's Brother, where, is David not? David Miller's done got me a place to hunt. I'm like, hallelujah, <laughs> right? All of us like the Gaithers, right? How many of y'all remember this one? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain. I've been cleansed by the blood. Join heirs with Jesus as I travel this side, for I'm part of the what? The family of You've been saved, you got a brand new family. A lot of times people think, well, I'd like to get my life to Jesus, but I don't have no family. I don't have a support system. Yeah, you do. You've just been in the wrong church, evidently. We're going to love you. We're going to support you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to get you involved. And we're going to disciple you. Now, we were at Central Harden Friday night. We served 175 kids that came through that man line. We weren't there to evangelize. We weren't there to popularize Cecilia Baptist Church. We were there because Jesus has changed our life. And we wanted those kids just to be able to see there are people here that do love you. And there are people that do care about you. And there is still good in this world. That's what we do. It also means this. Number four, the only way to the Father is through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I know we tiptoe around this sometimes because we don't like to make people upset. We don't like to anger people. In John chapter 3, maybe the most famous conversation in the Bible, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In John chapter 14, verse 6, I just preached this Tuesday at Curtis South's funeral. Jesus, he looks at Thomas and he says, Thomas, I know you're confused, but he says, I'm going to enlighten you, brother. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. And he said, I am the life. But I love what Jesus says at the end of this. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Period. If you want to spend eternity with Jesus, then you have to place your faith in the Son. You have no other choice. You cannot buy your way into heaven. You cannot inherit heaven because your mama was a Christian or your daddy was a Christian. This is personal. You have got to come and believe. You've got to come and confess. Romans 10, 9, if you believe with your heart, Jesus rose from the grave and confess him. You will be what? 
You're going to be saved. You've got to believe and you've got to confess. I can't force it on you. I cannot give it to you. This is a personal choice and a personal decision. And listen to me. There is no other way. There is no other way. When you die, you do not get a second chance in this life to say, oh, now I see that it's real. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. No, you cannot do that. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke, it says between us is a great chasm, and one cannot go from there to down there or down there from up there. You've got to make your choice before you die. This is personal. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you given your life to him? You know, because I guarantee you right now, all of us want to spend eternity where? In heaven. So why would you chance hell? We want to make it hard for people to go to hell. Amen? Well, how do we make it hard for people to go to hell? We got to tell them about who? We got to tell them about Jesus. The sin of silence is sending people straight to hell. We've got to be willing to tell people about Jesus, even if it means if they criticize us. We have to. Number two is this. Jesus is the visible creator and sustainer of all creation. Number two, he is the visible creator and sustainer of all creation. Notice Paul says, he says he is the image of the invisible God. Paul is telling him that Jesus is the representation and the manifestation of the Father, and so he is fully God in every way. The Bible says this in John 14, 9 through 10, Jesus told Philip, he said this, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He says, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in who? Is in me. And then Paul says, he's the firstborn of all creation. Now, church, this can be confusing. I get it. So let me explain it. Paul is saying that Jesus is firstborn in the sense that he has the preeminence and he possesses the right over all of creation. See, you cannot be created and be the creator of all things. Amen? That's impossible. In the MacArthur Bible commentary, John MacArthur, he adds this. He says, and I quote, Apparently a central component of the heresy that threatened the, Col- the Colossian church was denial of the deity of Christ. Ironically, throughout the century, some cults have used the phrase firstborn over all to undermine Christ's deity. The assumption is, is that if Jesus was born at creation, that he is more like us than he is like God. Well, how in the world do you argue this? Well, I'm going to give you some points. Church, let's remember, this is your first asterisk under point two. Jesus was with God in the what? In the beginning. When somebody gives you this false heretical statement, point it out in the Bible. Amen? The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. And then look what Paul says in verse 16. He says, for him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. What does this tell us? Here's your next asterisk. Jesus created everything. He created it all. 
John chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Brother Donnie, you do realize that children and youth in most schools are not taught this. Right? The school systems, unless it's a Christian educational school, they do not teach creationism. They teach what they are told to teach. So if our children do not go to church, if our, if our youth do not go to church, who's going to teach them the truth? Who is going to establish the truth for them? And I realize you're thinking, well, pastor, they have to get an education. Amen. I graduated from public school. Most of us in here probably graduated from public school, but I had many Christian teachers. I was fortunate. But our children today, our youth today, they're not being taught that Jesus created everything. They're being taught that two planets just miraculously hit together and all this just happily formed and just crawled out of a pond. Are you serious? Look around. Do you think this happened by mistake? Amen. You think you happened by mistake. Amen. Look at your fingers. You are the only one of your kind. Amen. And nobody else got that print but who? But you. God created you special. God created you specifically. Jesus Christ created it what? He created it all. And then look what Paul says in verse 16, where the thrones of dominions or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. What does this mean? Your next asterisk, Jesus created it all for his what? For his glory. He created it all for his glory. Creation is meant to glorify who? Jesus Christ. Creation. It's meant to glorify Jesus. Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed, and they were created. God created you for you to glorify the Son. Amen? Let me ask you something. You ready? I'm going to dig. I love to dig. Uh, Lord, I should have been an explorer. Amen? Does your life glorify Jesus Christ? Come on. My life in the last couple of weeks has been a little hectic. You know, I, I don't share all parts of my life with our congregation because I'm trying to bear the burden of a church. And so oftentimes I'll have to go to Billy or Austin or David sometimes hears it or the deacon body. Because even I have to bear my burdens and get hope and strength for my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. There's times in our lives where things happen to us and we truly forget in the long retrospective things. There's one thing that really truly only matters. Are we glorifying Jesus? 
Is that what we do? Is that who we are? Father, I pray it is. I pray that it is. And then number three is this. Jesus is the head of the church. Paul said in verse 18, he said he's also the head of the body, the head of the church. Now what is the church? The church, the ecclesia, are those that have been saved by Christ. It's a congregation of believers, and the church came about because Jesus gave his life to the church through his death and his resurrection, and he became the sovereign Lord and the supreme authority over the church. So truthfully, Christ is the source of the church. So pastor, what happens well, many times churches, they cease to exist because the wrong head pops up. A pastor, what are you talking about? See, when we forget that every one of us answers to Jesus and that Christ is our Lord, it should remind us no matter how powerful we may feel, this church is responsible to Jesus, not man. Jesus is the head of the church. It's not me. It's not Austin. It's not Billy. It's not the deacons. It's not the longest reigning member at Cecilia Baptist Church. But Jesus is the head of the church, and he is the life of the church. And notice Paul adds this in verse 18. He says he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Church, listen, no other Savior, no other deity, no other God has ever risen from the dead to never perish again but our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Acts 2 says this, but God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Death and the grave, they have no power over who? Over Jesus. They have no power over the Lord. They have no power over the Creator. They have no power over the Sustainer. And because of the resurrection, Jesus tells us as Christians in John 11 verse 26, He says, everyone who lives and believes in Me will never die. Do you believe this? Jace, I don't know if he's in children's church. Is that where he's at? He can't hear me. But Jace, you'll never die, my brother. People say, Brother Donnie, what are you talking about? Everybody dies. Let me remind you, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. When I close these eyes, I know whose eyes I'm going to see next. And some of you, you might not know that. Some of you may not have that clarity. Some of you may not have that promise. But I'm going to tell you something right now, and I say this because I love you, and I say this because I'm concerned for you. There's only two places to go. You can't leave here today and think, oh, I'm going to go to Wendy's. I'm going to Getty's. You know, Burger King, it got it my way. You know, I'll go down to Golden Corral, all-you-can-eat buffet. I go to Popeye's. I can go to Chick-fil-A. I can go to KFC. I can go to Lee's. I can do all these things because all these options are for me out there. When you close these eyes, guess what? The options go to two. And you, you no longer have the capability to choose. It's Christ or it's hell.
Lastly, number four is this. Jesus Christ and his divine power and through his sacrifice on the cross, he has reconciled us to God. That's what he did. God had willed that in Christ all fullness would dwell. And Christ wasn't one of just many divine beings, but he is the only divine being. Amen? False gods, false beliefs, etc., they ran rampant in the day of Jesus and in the days of Paul. And honestly, many people today believe there's more, one, more than one way to heaven, even though Jesus says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, again, all have sinned. See, church, humankind needed a way to be reconciled to God because of our what? Because of our sin. So what did God do? The Bible says he, he sent His Son so that all people could be reconciled to God. And the word reconciled in the Greek, it means this, to change from one condition to another. So for the one that places their faith in Jesus, we go from the dark to the what? To the light. We go from the old to the new. We go from being lost to being what? To being found. When Jesus died on the cross, our sins died with him. And he became our ultimate what? Our ultimate sacrifice. When Jesus rose from the dead three days later, not only did he defeat death, but he provided an avenue for us to be reconciled, to be changed, to have our relationship restored if we place our faith in who? In Jesus. See, Jesus was born for you. Jesus lived for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus conquered death for you. But you must believe. You must confess that he is who he says he is. He's the son of God. He lived a sinful, uh, sinless life. He gave his body on a cross for your sin. He rose again so we can claim victory over death. The Bible says that he is the creator, he is the savior, and he is the sustainer that is preparing for you at this exact moment a place that you can spend eternity with who? With him. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way when there ain't no way. He rises up from an empty grave. There ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let Jesus change your what? Your life. Has Jesus changed your life? Are you sharing with others what Jesus has done for you? He rescued us. He changed us. He provides a way from us. He leads us. He loves us. He's given everything for us. Is Jesus worth telling others about? Church, before we have an invitation... I want to know something real quick. Is there anybody in here that would, that would be willing to stand up and very, very quickly tell us how Jesus has changed your life? Miss Judy.
Church, before Billy comes up, Billy, come on up, though. And before we stand, before we sing, I want all heads bowed. And I'm going to pray for you before we have this time of invitation. Father, I pray this morning that you have stirred hearts, Lord. Father, I pray this morning you have convicted those, Lord, that need to be. Father, maybe there's people here that have never given their life to Jesus. And Lord, if they ain't, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You ready? Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ, I believe he is the Son of God. I believe that he lived, I believe that he died, I believe he rose again to give people, all people, salvation, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life. And Lord, I know he did it for me. Father, forgive me of my sins and guide me in your grace that I do your will. Lord, from this day forward, I give you my life, I give you my heart, and I give you my service unto you. At this moment, Lord, I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you this morning, I pray that you'll come and let me know. And Christian, this morning, let me just say something. You're not off the hook here. Amen. Some of you are not living a life that, that, that mirrors that Jesus changed your life. Some of us, we fall, but I'm often reminded when we fall, somebody's there to help pick us what? You know who you are. If your life has not resembled your faith, come this morning and pray for strength. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing.